Hey there, welcome to Walking Alongside Perspectives, a combination of short monopods as well as some conversations with cool folks covering various topics based on what is going on in the world, focusing on the broader theme of perspectives. As Friedrich Nietzsche said, there are no facts, only interpretations. So let's get into it with this episode. Thanks for being here. As you may know if you listened to episode 6, we recently went on our first family vacation in nine years. It was a long time coming, and it was, for all intents and purposes, a resounding success. We had to do some planning and revising and rethinking, and in the end we decided, in order to make it more financially and environmentally, sort of, responsible, to drive. It was a bit of a hard-fought decision mentally for me because I really hate driving. Possibly more than I dislike museums. (laughs) More on that in the next episode. Everyone can probably recall the road trips that they've been on, that were good, bad, or ugly. Some memories were happy, others have likely been pushed down into the far recesses of the mind. So it is ironic, despite my intense dislike of spending more time than absolutely necessary in the car, my first job in my field after graduation was in North Carolina. In July 1994, my dad and I did an epic father-daughter road trip from their place in Didsbury to Goldsboro, North Carolina. We drove off in my 1985 VW GTI 5-speed with the, at the time, revolutionary AMA triptych in hand and gambled on finding motels and truck stops along the way that would keep us in accommodations, fuel, and cold beverages. The car didn't have air conditioning and my dad can't drive with the windows down because the draft has always given him a headache. So we basically just kept the fan on full blast blowing a warmish breeze on us for the duration of the trip. It took us four days a one-car ferry in Minot, North Dakota after dealing with the semi-automatic toting border crossing guard, navigating the hood after we made a wrong turn in St. Louis, underestimating one leg of the trip and being too late to find an open restaurant and settling for some hot dogs off one of those rolly things at a gas station in Bland, West Virginia, and driving through our first, but not my last, tropical storm. We arrived none the worse for wear in Goldsboro, just over an hour south of Raleigh, in the home of the Seymour Johnson Air Force Base, and my new home for my first job as a nutritionist too for the Women, Infants and Children Supplemental Food Program. It was definitely a memorable trip. My dad stayed long enough for me to find an apartment, get my North Carolina driver's license, and open a bank account. We ate Chinese food on his last night there, and to this day I crave American chicken lo mein and duck sauce, not that gross plum sauce that you get here. That road trip had a totally different vibe than the ones we did when I was a kid because I had an integral part to play. I was either navigating or driving in shifts. Had a purpose. I was an adult and I could have mostly adult conversations with my dad. It's a different story when you're relegated to the back seat. Road trips as a kid were memorable in both the best and worst possible ways. I think everybody can probably relate to that. I don't remember when we finally got a car with AC, so that heat was always a factor. And until my brother and I convinced or guilted, I'm still not sure which, my dad to quit, he smoked in the car. I mostly spelled road trip N-A-U-S-E-A. I couldn't read in the car because it made me car sick, so it made for really long, really boring times in a mostly really hot car with probably no radio. (laughs) Good lord, how old am I that we didn't have a car with a radio? Anyway, kids these days? have it absolutely made in the shade. One of the first memorable accidental geography lessons as a child was that I learned that in Alberta and BC, everything good was really far away, which meant a lot of time in the car if you wanted to get anywhere fun or interesting. Luckily, Kananaskis and the mountains are close to Calgary, so there were lots of trips to Lake Minnewanka for all-day picnics, especially when my cousins or grandparents and aunts and uncles were here from the Netherlands. There were also lots of trips to Radium Hot Springs, one really memorable trip to the Flintstones-inspired theme park in and around Kelowna, I think it was, 
and all of those little motels with a swimming pool in the middle of the parking lot. For the longest time, we had a pickup truck, so when we finally got the family station wagon, my brother and I thought we had hit the jackpot. During normal trips, we were just in the back seat, but after we moved to Staveley, Claire's home, and Blairmore, in that order, and we would go to Calgary to see my aunt and uncle and cousins, we were always super excited to be able to set up camp in the back. We'd have blankets and cushions, Pop-Tarts and barbecue old Dutch potato chips, and sometimes cans of pop. Because I could lie down, I could go to sleep, which kept the nausea at bay and trained me to simply fall asleep almost immediately upon entering a car which to this day is a default mechanism I have to fight very hard to overcome, particularly when I'm the one doing the driving. From a kid's perspective though, it was pretty much perfection. If we'd had one of those built-in DVD players like most family cars have today, good lord, it would have been as though we had died and gone to heaven. And when we would leave Calgary, my brother and I would call it our lucky night because we could see all the lights from downtown, which compared to small town Alberta was pretty much like looking at New York City simpler times to be sure. So those endless hours on the road, the incessant boredom and the heat were all front of mind as we embarked on that family vacation a few weeks ago. The way to Galliana wasn't so bad because we had wisely planned that we would break it up, make it more of a journey. We stopped in Cochrane the first night, left bright and early the next day because we needed to be in Revelstoke for the adventure pass, which included the double gondola ride, a bit of hiking and the pipe mountain coaster, which was freaking awesome. Highly recommend. From there, we went to Salmon Arm for two nights. We could try out the stand-up paddleboard we bought for the trip, and then the final leg to Tawasin to the ferry to Galliano. So that was actually pretty decent. Four and a half hours in the car at a stretch wasn't too bad. I feared though that things were about to get interesting because the next leg was the ferry. Gravel has been a staple part of my travel process for a long, long time now. And because we had a little incident when we were in Hawaii with Chris barfing on the sea turtles, we decided that it would probably be a good idea that we all went with the gravel for the ferry ride over. That made for a delightful first ferry experience, but the after effects were a little less charming. Chris was practically in a coma and I was fighting to stay awake so that I could help find the Airbnb. And this was in the middle of the afternoon. It wasn't even late. And Daphne was so cranky and irritable, I wanted to push them out of the car. I hadn't accounted for this nasty side effect. So every time we got off the ferry, it was like we had all turned into Mr. Hyde. It wasn't pretty. But when the alternative is hurling your lunch into the sea, or worse, into one of those on-ferry washrooms, it was definitely the lesser of the two evils. The trip home was going to be very interesting. Originally, we were booked on the ferry that left Schwartz Bay in Victoria at 5. But we ended up in Victoria early, so we were fortunate to be able to get in the standby line and catch the 3 o'clock ferry instead. That put us back in Tawasin at 4.30. Lots of time to get to our stop for the night, but nice and drugged up on gravel. So we now needed to make the four and a half hour trip to Kamloops, better known as Kamloops, in Mr. Hyde mode. I honestly thought we were going to die, either because one or the other of us murdered the others, or because Chris was going to drive off a cliff. We had to stop in some nothing town, get Chris some super sketchy coffee from the Dairy Queen to try to counter the effects of that gravel, and carry on. Despite not having downloaded more music on Galliano, partly because of the sketchy Wi-Fi and partly because we just didn't think about it, Daphne was able to still shuffle like an MC Pro in the back seat. And even though we don't usually sing as a family, we were all belting out Billy Joel and Green Day and Coldplay just to stay awake and to keep from fighting. Mercifully, we made it to Kamloops in one piece and not murdered. After a mediocre sleep in a mediocre hotel, the next day we were all more or less fine, except for the fact that we were now facing eight and a half hours in the car. If it had been my dad driving, at least one of us would likely still be hitchhiking from somewhere on the other side of the BC border. 
Also, why there isn't better radio reception in the mountains is anyone's guess. It's 20 freaking 22. They've put a man on the moon, a rover on Mars, and have the most powerful telescope ever built hurtling through space, but we can't get decent radio reception in the mountains. Come on. At some point while we were on Vancouver Island, Daphne had the brilliant idea of making a radio bingo card, and so we had it all ready to go and got exactly one song because A, there was no radio reception and B, when we did have reception, it was either bad country or classic rock, neither of which we factored into the song selection on the bingo card. By the time we'd made it to Edson, we were all on each other's last nerve. Chris did try valiantly to come up with games we could play. Guess how many kilometers to Edmonton on the next big green sign? Or what time will we pull into the garage? It may have been valiant, but it was in vain. There was nothing that anyone could do or say to make those last few hours any more bearable. We have friends who have been going to Galliano for years, and we got all kinds of recommendations from them on where to go, which beaches to visit, things to do, but I forgot to ask for their road trip survival tips. And I have to tip my hat to them because more times than not, they do that full stretch in one shot, not in this lifetime. I heard a phenomenon described relating to red lights the other day. Most of us have no trouble remembering and being annoyed by the red lights, but we more often than not forget about all the green ones that we sometimes get that are in our favor all in a row. So it's really hard to reconcile how awful that last day was with how amazing it was to be on vacation on Galliano and Vancouver Island. It's easy to remember the red lights, the gravel, the boredom, the lack of anything to do, but there were a lot of green lights. It was family fun time, the fun times on the way there, and even with the advantage of hindsight, to have had the time on the way back in the car to just talk about stuff, sing together and endure together, which doesn't happen when we're all just at home or honestly wouldn't have happened if we were to have flown. It also taught us a few valuable lessons. We learned we need to download lots of music, podcasts, audiobooks, anything. We need to have better radio bingo cards and we need to have come up with car games well in advance of the trip. So now those red lights are as much a part of the memories as the islands, the sights, the meals, and all the other green lights that we experienced. There's always some bad that comes with the good, and that trip home really helped to shine the light on how good the good was. It made even the mediocre look better compared to eight and a half hours in the car. It really is all a matter of perspective. I may not have loved road trips as a kid, and they're certainly not my favorite thing now, but if the alternative is not being able to go on a family vacation, I know for sure which one I would choose. The difference is next time, I'll make sure we have lots of music and I pack Pop-Tarts, Old Dutch barbecue potato chips, and some off-brand sodas. Thanks for listening. If you have ideas for a topic or even better, a perspective to share, I would love to hear them and share them, ideally in a conversation with you. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and throw a comment my way or share with friends. For better or for worse, we're all in this together. We have exactly one world to share, so let's make it the best one it can be. Until next time, take good care. Ciao for now.